Welcome to the JetRails podcast, supporting you through the airwaves with information about website and e-commerce technology and strategies from design and development to security, marketing, conversion rate optimization, and web hosting. We bring you insights from industry leaders and experts hosted, edited, and published by me, Robert Rand, your friendly neighborhood tech ambassador. Hi, and welcome to an episode of the JetRails podcast. I'm Robert Rand, and today I'm joined by Vlad from Logic Inbound. We're going to be talking all about SEO um, as it relates to e-commerce and what you're doing wrong in 2020. SEO has always been a moving target. Nothing quite stays the same. Um, but with no further ado, Vlad, would you do the honor of introducing yourself? Yeah, thank you so much for having me on the show, Robert, first and foremost. Um, yeah, so basically my background is I... First started an app company at 19 with my cousin, um, just because there was no Bruce Lee quotes on the Android app store. <laughs> and I barged into his room, right? Um, I'm like 18 at the time. And I'm like, there's no Bruce Lee quotes. And he's like, oh, let me, you know, why don't we just start an app together? You know, just for fun, right? We didn't even think it was gonna be a company. So let's just do it for fun. And so it takes, and in middle school, my cousin, he built his middle school's website. So he was like, okay, let, you know, I can, I can code this thing. So we go in, we build this app, you know, before that, the other app uh, he made for us is we just go to, to stores. We'd, we'd flip things at different, um, you know, bookstores and he built this app. So if you scan a book, it'll, it'll tell you whether you should sell it or not on, a on Amazon. Um, you know, it'll do all the packaging costs, et cetera. And so basically we built this app and then in two weeks we got a, a thousand downloads and I thought, wow, a thousand downloads, you know, maybe we could do 30 of these, you know, and then see what happens. We end up, you know, about a year and a half later, um, getting 300,000 downloads. And I thought to myself at that point, wow, Zuckerberg, Schmuckerberg, business is easy, which whenever <laughs> I thought that things have not gone well, especially this COVID year here. Um, and so that was my first company. I was making a couple thousand dollars a month, but still not enough to, to fully sustain myself. So I was like, okay, let me start um, a real estate CRM. It's a B2B business, right? Versus a B2C. Definitely um, whet your appetite to say, look, you know, if, if you were able to achieve that, you know, first go round, that's, yep. that's pretty impressive. Yeah, that's what I thought. I was like, man, this stuff's easy. Like, uh, you know, I don't know what everybody's complaining about. I was way too cocky for sure. Um, and, uh, but I thought, yeah, you know, maybe I'm, I'm better than average at this. So then basically I ended up um, doing a B2B CRM company, did a whole bunch of cold calls, sweated nonstop. And I got into about 15 different, at the height of that business, I got into 15 different brokerages in five different, um, or five different locations and 15 brokerages. And, you know, we, like our biggest deal I, I lost was like 200K and, um, you know, we were making like five, 6K a month. And basically um, you know, I was like, wow, we're, we're getting better at this, but still I need to learn how to get clients. And that's why five and a half years ago, I started logic inbound and basically logic inbound our first year, we did everything. Um, and then year two, we merged with another SEO company that did SEO specifically for about six years. And we had our own software tools. My cousin built out. That's why this guy wanted to merge with us. And this is what we've been focused on since then. My team today collectively has over 40 years of experience in SEO. Um, you know, we've started and sold our own um, knife e-commerce store. We've, um, you know, built affiliate sites and taken them from zero to, you know, six figures plus. We did over half a million dollars last year and I run a team of 10 people and uh, it's a crazy fun roller coaster ride. So 
I always ask about the names. How did you wind up coming to Logic Inbound? Were you just checking GoDaddy for available, you know, domains and, and you locked one in? Or uh, Okay, so this is, well, that's, that's a great story, uh, you know, question, actually. Nobody's ever asked me this on a podcast. So for the first company, it's called Shoplets. Shop, L-L-E-T-E-S. And it was, this is how, how, <laughs> how you could tell this company was started by teenagers. We were like, what should we call the company? Well, b- business has something to do with shopping. That's how much we knew. Let's shop, you know, encourage people to shop. We'll call it Shoplets. So if somebody types in like Shoplets app, they'll see some like, you know, archaic, you know, apps that are like just literally are from 08. Um, and so basically that was the first one. The second one is called Skyreel. And this one was, uh, I think my friend Justin named it that, um, you know, before we even like made a real company, we were like, oh, let's make our dreams come true, make the sky real. This is, this is how much thought we put into the stuff. Um, the third company, we started it because we thought Vol- Volt Shark sounded cool. However, then we were like, Volt Shark, like it's kind of a weird name. It has nothing to do with inbound marketing, right? And so we're like, okay, Logic Inbound sounds better because we're going to specialize in inbound marketing, right? Like, we're just going to go all in and, you know, we're going to use our logic to, you know, there's like a play on words of inbound within yourself. You know, you got to use your logic to succeed. So you're like, okay, that's a pretty cool name. You and really that, like company names that say what they do, at least, at least to someone that, you know, that, that knows the backstory. Dude, you have no idea because I actually thought like, man, this name is so like the other company that we partnered with at the time, Tyler, um, Seattle Webworks was the name of his company. And I was like, this is such a much better name, you know, Seattle Web. Like if I could rename the company, it would be seattlemarketing.com and, or, or seo.com or something like, I feel like those names, I feel like the names that give people a picture of what the company does is so much better. I know we're accustomed to like, you know, Twitter and, you know, Facebook and Zillow and all these random companies with random names, Amazon, like who the hell knows what these companies do? I think the founders don't at the time, but I think the best businesses have names that like, you know what the heck they do. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's why a lot of them have to come up with creative logos that show you, but I think it is interesting. You get to a certain point where there's just enough awareness already where you break through and the name doesn't really you know, have to tell the story anymore because it's just a known quantity. So if you stick around long enough, uh, in, in a lot of cases, it works out. So you mentioned that, you know, why this other SEO company saw value in what you had. You had some proprietary tech that you'd created. What about on in the reverse? Was there something in particular that you saw oh, yeah. about that company that you really said, hey, you know, they're going to bring, they're going to make my my life and my company better if we merge together and uh, yeah, they're going to improve the, the growth trajectory? Yeah. When we first started, we didn't even do like 100K, right? Like it was literally like, we, so we started Skyreel Marketing, right? So the business is really probably about six years old because for half a year we did the CRM company, right? And, and this goes for anybody out there. Um, if you start a business, um, I would say, you know, it's pretty good to test it on the side before you just go all in. So we did about six months worth of, and especially if you got another startup or something, right. Um, granted I wasn't as ambitious with this third project because I was like, you know, I need to make a living, you know, I'm getting older now, you know, I'm getting, you know, going to hit the 30 plus club, et cetera. You know, you know, 
I was like, I'm, I'm not oh, 21 anymore. for you. <laughs> <laughs> everybody, every, you know, you know, I've noticed everybody that's older says the next, whoever's younger than you is like the youngest, et cetera. But, um, I was like, you know, I, 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 I want to do business for the rest of my life. I don't want to just kind of work for somebody, et cetera. Um, even though I think now there's benefits to both paths, but back then I was, I was scared shitless of doing this. Cause I, I used to work in a job at Safeway pushing carts around. And, you know, and I was like everybody's janitor boy. I was a courtesy clerk. I was below a checker basically <laughs> at that point. And it was a, it's a hard job, you know, respect to them. And then I worked at a music store, which I thought I'd love. Um, however, um, you know, it's not as fun when, when people are, are you know, just the customers, they, they, it can be cruel sometimes, you know, it, it's it depends on the service industry. So I was like, I don't want to work for somebody. I, I thought that, you know, six figure plus jobs were similar and I don't, I don't think so. I think it all depends on the job, but anyways, to go, to go back, um, we ended up, um, well, hold on. What was the question? I completely <laughs> lost train of thought. This is no, well, and this is how I get you to spill the beans on things that you never intended to. No, but, I'm happy to. Yeah. Uh, no, uh, so this other company that you merged with, what yes, was what, did they what have? were you thinking? What were you seeing yes. in them that was really so valuable so to you? He, so yeah, so I was so I was going in the right direction. I just completely got engrossed in in these other two jobs. So basically, they he he provided insurance for these two jobs. Right. So if you think of my mindset, I was like, man, I don't want to do these two jobs ever, et cetera. I don't want to get in that position. This guy was making, which I thought was crazy at the time, was 150K a year, you know, by himself. So I was like, you know, you multiply that, et cetera. You know, like most agencies, they it's just like a, a glorified one person contractor. So he had all the systems in place and he was getting his because we were just around for one year. So we didn't have enough time to really test our results. He knew everything he was doing in SEO. Right. So I was like, we can actually be uh, pros and we don't have to pretend like, oh, you know, like everything's OK, because in the marketing world, Robert, as you know, that being your background, a lot of times when you go in uh, into an agency, it's not like you have a home run on any campaign and nobody talks about this. Right. Nobody says, hey, I'm like, you know, it's like baseball where you get, you know, 50 percent, you know, or 75 um, percent. And there's a saying also one of my friends, Craig Lerner, likes to say he, he says, uh, you know, in the marketing industry, if you get one new client in the segment, then you're an amateur. If you get two clients, you're a world-renowned expert, right? <laughs> and like you tell everybody, like, I'm the greatest in this field, right? So, <clears throat> so he had that. He had great results. And versus us, um, you know, if you'd pitch to us, it's not like we'd rip anybody off. In fact, I remember my first client was paying me 40K a month and I charged him $400 to manage that because I did not know what I was doing. But um, basically... Long story short, he had results. So that's that's what we were going after. We were going after that. We we're going after the insurance that, hey, we don't have to work anymore. This is kind of going to be the blueprint. We can kind of have a quote unquote mentor here. You know, he was about eight, seven, eight years older. So we were like, this guy, you know, is more wise. We, we didn't know anything. Long story short, but um, it was good. I don't, I still don't regret it. I don't regret any of the partners. Then I brought on a second partner later for sales. That didn't go great either at all. Right. Um, Sales is tough. I think it's it might be, um, from my experience, the highest turnover area. I mean, especially you know, you're talking B two B. You're talking selling something that uh, you know that's a long term service. When when we're talking SEO, that people um, you know have to wait for results. Uh, it's a moving you know target, and I think that's part of what's interesting that you know that you brought up that not every campaign is going to hit it out of the park because if it was 
everyone would go and pay for it and everyone would be in the number one spot, which is obviously a, a physical, you know, impossibility. Uh, so th- because you don't know and can't control what others are doing, you can't control what Google's doing, you can't control what the competitors to a website that you're optimizing are doing, um, and various other things in between, a lot of things, uh, you know, you can hypothesize and you can know from experience that if we do X, Y, Z, and W, these are, these are the deliverables and, and th- these are expectations to be set. Um, but guarantees are a whole other story. Even Google publishes, you know, all over the place. Anybody that's promising you these specific results or other things, you shouldn't be hiring. <laughs> like, yeah, but- no, 100%. And, and business owners don't understand that sometimes they don't understand our, right. It depends on which level you're speaking at. Right. Yeah. Once they hit, like I would say plus 500 K they start getting more ideas. I think a million plus is when people really start understanding like, Hey, there's an, something called ROI. And basically if I, for every dollar I spend, I need to make X dollars back. So you can't make a million dollars on $500. Right. Et cetera. And to go back to that point about sales. Yeah. Sales is very tough. It's very scary, but I feel like that's because it's unknown. Mm-hmm. If you knew the customer was going to ask these, you know, I even learned that in my second company is a, a slow lesson that I'm still needing to learn. Every time you have an interaction, you need to document that process out in your company. We, in fact, we have a sales repository. So at the end of, uh, you know, it's like a database. So at the end of every sales call, I go back and I update the notes. And so if you know, right, what the interaction with the customer is going to be, then you can get much better after every iteration, mm-hmm. right? So um, I hired this person, but really in retrospect, what should have happened is I should have went in and said, okay, Vlad, you're going to have to feel the pain and then get better. You know, I thought at the time, like, hey, you know, I just hire this person, they figure it out. And then every, I, I hire people to figure everything out for me, Right. Mm-hmm. which in some sense does work. I think I, I really do believe in that, but it, you've got to be big enough to actually take those risks and experienced enough to know who you're hiring, et cetera. I had neither, you know, but. You well, know, and, and hiring, you, know, you can go through the best process ever and still be surprised at the outcome. And it's one of the reasons why I think that, you know, companies fight so hard to retain talent. It uh, Nobody wants the the brain drain when you get someone that's really good at sales. I mean, I'm, I'm very lucky here at JetRails that I, I'm not in sales and uh, I've got, you know, great counterparts that, that I rely on to, <laughs> uh, to do a phenomenal job there. Mm-hmm. And we're talking industry veterans. They, they've already mm-hmm. worked out those kinks. And there's something beautiful about that because as opposed to necessarily being so hungry all the time that they're, they're really, you know, trying to overwork the, the prospect um, they can sit back and say, look, you know, we're here to help. And, you know, we're here when you're ready. And, you know, here are things that we can recommend, whether or not you do them with us or this or that, but they can, they can be solution providers, you know, they can be consultants, and not really have to be, you know, the, uh, the old fashioned salespeople trying to sell this fixed product, but more looking at what are your pain points and, and how can, can we help alleviate those and, and how? Um, and I think mm-hmm. that that's a lot of what, uh, what the industry requires, but it's very hard to get someone in on day one for SEO or for anything else of its sort um, that, that are really going to excel in that way. <laughs> it, it takes yeah. time to really work through that as part of a team. Yeah, no, for sure. A hundred percent. 
it, it definitely takes, it all takes time. You know, I think that's the part that people, you know, we were just, I was reading about Amazon yesterday and uh, you can look at their shareholders reports, you know, they, they grew pretty fast. Like year one, they did like a million. Then year, uh, year two, they did like a million to 10. Year three, they went from 10 to like 140 million. And then they grew, but even Bezos, right? Uh, his, his plan was like a 10 year plan. Right. Or like, if you look at the biography of, of the, the greats, like Musk, et cetera, right. Like they have such long journeys and it's all a slow journey. Um, but to your point about sales, actually one thing I would say I've, I've learned to not fear it as much. Right. Like I went from literally this woman on the phone, you know, I, I was apologizing for being a salesperson, which I think is so foolish. I was like, I'm sorry, I'm not a salesperson. I'm not trying to trick you. Cause that's what I thought. Right. She's like, clearly, sir, you're not a salesperson. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's how bad I was, um, to, you know, and to like, you know, my, my best, uh, deal, I closed like a six figure plus website development project. Right. So like I went from that to six figures plus deals, you know, 10 K a month, seven K a month, et cetera. Um, plus, um, and, so and the trick to that is also, you know, it's not just being able to sell it, but it's not overselling it. It's no. managing expectations and having, you know, having the right sale. Because if you sold a, you know, let's say a hundred thousand dollar website that should have been a two hundred thousand dollar website, there's nothing but, but but tears at the end of that project. From um, no matter which way it goes, it's not going to go well. For sure. Right. And when we close some of these deals, right. When they just say yes, without blinking, you're like, oh man, they didn't even blink. Like I def, I could have gone for more, et cetera. But, um, basically I, I, I've learned that the best salesperson is really your advisor, right? Like they do some financial advising here as well. And even though they're selling the product and they're charging them, they're trying to think about, Hey, what's, what's the best part. And you might wonder like, what the heck does sales have to do with e-commerce by the way, on the other side over there. So when I first started, um, you know, our like our online knife store, et cetera, with the team, when we did that project, right, you, and, and I've done others too. I've done headphones from Alibaba, you know, that's the old trick, right? You go to Alibaba, you get the product, et cetera. Um, you, you negotiate prices with vendors, et cetera, right? So you're convincing someone somewhere, right? And uh, I would say that's the main thing. But yeah, marketing though, takes time. So yeah, and there's nothing better of not having to do anything, just people. Yeah. And it depends, you know, so I, I've certainly had experience where, you know, I, I've enjoyed being able to come in and say, this is my, you know, this is our proposal. We stand behind it. Unless we're pulling something out of it, this is our best rate. And this way, mm-hmm. you know, you know that up front or we've already applied whatever it is to it. You know, th- th- this is what it is because it, it is a, a tough dance sometimes. And it's not that there are people, I think, that because they do it in other facets of their lives, other facets of, of their, uh, their jobs that they like to haggle. Um, they like to feel like they got to win. Um, mm-hmm. At the same time, though, so let's say if I was selling web development and I know what my cost on it is and I know what my supply of, of it is in terms of available web development you know, pipeline uh, that's not sold. And you know, basically, like I, I'm not going to tie up my pipeline with something that's uh, that's not going to turn a profit, <laughs> you know, uh, all, all risk, no reward. Um, when I know that I can fill that, that pipeline with someone else, it, it really does depend. I think when you're earlier on, and especially mm-hmm. once you start bringing on, you know, payroll, once you start bringing mm-hmm. on others, you're hungry to make sure that you sell enough um, to be able to make ends meet, to be able to, to pay everyone. And then I think mm-hmm. that there is that growth pattern where if you're doing it right, um, you get to the point where there is enough 
And so you don't have to be as aggressive in negotiating the sale. You can stand up on your own two feet and say, you know, <laughs> basically you're a steakhouse. No, you know, I'm sorry, you know, sir, but that, that's a $50 filet mignon. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there is no discount available for that. And, you know, but it's the best in town. Um, and we know you're going to leave happy. And uh, yeah. no one else is going to is going to provide you anything better than that. That's for sure. And you do mm-hmm. that, and, uh, you know, and, and I think that that's um, that's certainly something that I, I've always enjoyed getting to that point where you know that you're taking good care of people, you know that they're happy, you know that you're bringing them value, you know that that you know you're not specifically overcharging, uh, you know, but that you you've hit that sweet spot in industry, um, you know, and, and that maybe even that you know that there are people that are charging more than you are. Um, it's often the case. It's it's rare to find, the, especially in something like SEO, to find mm-hmm. the person that charges the most, right? Um, mm-hmm. But that at the end of the day, that you've got enough there that even if, let's say, this is a t- campaign that's not moving as well, you can kick in a little extra for them. Um, mm-hmm. You can throw some more resource at it. You can do what you need to do so that they leave smiling. And I think that's a, a big part of the challenge is that that balance. Um, but I'm, I'm going to go back to something I brought up, not being able to control uh, the different um, things happening that are impacting SEO. And, um, you know, I, I've been engaged with SEO for years and years, but uh, I stopped doing it on an agency level uh, about three years ago. Um, and so while I absolutely, you know, try to <laughs> keep up with the day-to-day changes, you mm-hmm. know, I remember huge algorithm changes like, Panda and Penguin and Hummingbird coming out and these things that were coming in chunks. And mm-hmm. what's going on now? Are, are changes in algorithms from Google, and I, you know, I mean, it's still mostly Google, of course, uh, that, that impacts uh, the world because they've, yep. you know, in, here still in North America, plus, they've got... 95 plus percent. Yeah, they, they own Duck the market. Until takes over. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so until then... It, is it, are they big algorithm changes coming out that are really changing how sites are ranked based on factors or is it, are they small changes or are the changes pretty, you know, minuscule and just not having as big an impact SEO just isn't changing much. What's your experience? It, I would say it goes back to your model, right? Like, are you looking at it from a white hat, gray hat or black hat perspective, which I don't know, you know, the level of, in terms of level of audience sophistication, but obviously white hat would be like, you're following all of Google's rules perfectly. Right. And then gray hat is, you know, philosophy is basically like, I'm going to mix in some stuff in there that I shouldn't be doing, but I'm kind of at the, at the pushing the borders. Right. Um, and then black hat is like, I don't care. I'm just completely breaking the rules. Right. For the black hats out there, you can't do um, private blog networks anymore. So basically you can't go in, you can't really, it's very hard to quote unquote game Google. Right. Um, but I always find it a bit hypocritical on the internet. And I always tell my clients this, you know, it's not that I hate Google or anything like they're a fantastic company, but, um, I think it's a bit hypocritical that they want to you to be found online, but they don't want you to tell them or show them how to find you. Right. It's like, they're almost like uh, uh, the Michelin man of the internet nowadays, mm. right? Where it's like they go in, they rate you at your restaurant and it's like, but you just got to focus on creating a great website, but they won't tell you what makes it a great restaurant or a great website or the factors, right? 
So it's like, I think even the Michelin man tells you, right? I, I think if the but, Michelin man walked into a restaurant, you know, the guy that looked, the mascot that looks like a bunch of tires stacked up, I would recognize him. Sorry, would, not the Michelin man, <laughs> the Michelin reviewers. Yeah, the reviewer. Right? I got it. Yeah. So I couldn't help Michelin myself. Star service that, well, yeah, yeah I, I, I convinced, I uh, basically mixed them up because the same company. Oh yeah. Same. Absolutely. Absolutely. Same not Michelin everybody company. knows that, that those Michelin star restaurants, that it all goes back to, uh, you know, to, to the, that, the Michelin that same man. organization. He's a, he's a yeah, <laughs> he's very judgy. Yeah. <laughs> that guy. <laughs> but yeah, you know, the, the Michelin restaurant reviewers, which started by Michelin, I don't know why. But basically, well, long well I mean, short, look, if somebody has the right to kick the tires on a place and see if it's any good, I think it's him. <laughs> that is funny. That is very funny. Uh, that's very funny. Um, I've now so destroyed your train of thought. I'm going to continue to do so. For no, the next no, it's com- it's completely <laughs> yeah. okay. But I'm still I'm still sticking to this this reviewer uh, uh, mindset, right? Like Google's like we're going to review your sites, right? Like the Michelin people, we're going to throw a Michelin man in there just so you don't understand what we're doing and why, right? Just this is confusing confusing as my example here, but still at the same time, right? Like like they, that's the the hypocrisy. So we've got it down to three things. So it's content which it's on-site and off-site, right? So what is on-site? We have content on there, your website content. Then the, the website quality factors and then the technical factor, uh, which is website quality and then the link building, right? So link building, content, and technical. Those are the three things we always look at and they've they've worked well for us, right? Sometimes, you know, I basically look at the first page of Google for a specific term and I feel like they're just going to test a site Right. And I'm like, this site's not going to last. Like these guys have no links built to them, et cetera. And they're on the first page ranking for, you know, whatever, right. Buy tires just to stick to the Michelin example, right? Mm-hmm. Like these guys that Google just testing stuff out. Um, but most, and inevitably those websites fall, but most of the time, right. You're still looking for a great link profile, great backlinks, great content, um, you know, and, and good technical factors. Um, if anything, Google, I feel like has helped us more nowadays with, um, you know, they, they have a mobile test. You can type in, you can have a Google page mobile test. You can type in, you know, Google page speed optimization, and they'll give you like endless amounts of homework to, hmm. to improve your website. But um, in terms of link building, and I don't know how technical you want to dive in, Robert, but basically um, you can't really do uh, PBNs anymore. Like that's just going to be inevitably Google's just going to find all of those, um, you know, everybody on um, in terms of links, right? Like they're still buying links. Um, and, and nowadays it's just standard for people to, you know, whenever you're getting doing guest blog posts, like they, they have to charge you no matter what. It's getting much harder and harder. Link costs are, are going up, which I think might be good for Google. Um, you know, so that's kind of where the industry's trending in terms of like updates, right? If you want to talk Penguin, et cetera. Um, not too much has changed. Um, you know, I would say from my perspective, um, you know, everything's just going more mobile. Hmm. So that's really, yeah. you know, yeah. it's interesting. You know, we see a lot of Magento sites that use some of those Google tools to, to check their, um, their page speed scores, their insights. And, um, in many cases they, they fail pretty miserably because the technology of, of Google's tool doesn't really like, uh, the coding in a Magento site, even if the site's fast, uh, you know, mm-hmm. so we do a lot of work to, you know, help bring those scores up, um, knowing that Google may be looking at at some of those things in their algorithm and that, you know, for SEO purposes, it's a big deal. So we see sites go from single digits sometimes in their mobile page speed scores, you know, going up to the multiples and multiples of double digits, uh, 
as we make adjustments. How big a deal is loading speed? On the web hosting side, we talk about it a lot the same way that we talk about scalability and and the reliability and stability of the site and the security of the site and all these things that sort of protect uh, those SEO rankings and, and uh, you know, make sure that the users are having a good experience consistently. Um, is is speed really one of one of the top factors these days? Is it possible mm-hmm. to rank uh, reasonably with you know with a slow site at this that's point? A, that's a fantastic question, by the way. Um, you know, the joke in the industry is it depends, but obviously I'm going to give you a straight answer too. I think from a scale of one to ten, I would give loading speed in terms of SEO. Mm-hmm. I would give it about a seven. In terms of um, you know e-commerce sites, I that's a ten. Right. Because in e-com, as you know, for every second delay that the user experiences, that's something like a 10 percent, you know, drop off in sales. Right. For every second or like half second. Right. People are like, screw this, et cetera. From Google's perspective, the reason I said seven, I think it depends on your search term. Right. Are you checking the time or the news or whatever, like latest news, et cetera? Um, you know, and is it like short term informational content where you're just going in and you just want to quickly check on something, right? Like did the Seahawks beat the Falcons, which they did, by the way, go Seahawks, I'm a Seahawks fan, right? If you're doing that, then um, obviously I think Google would want you to have a very fast loading time because it's like a quick check, right? So in my mind, they're, I, I'm not going to pretend like I know Google's algorithm, right? In our book, I would say it's, uh, you know, it's a important loading speed is an important factor on the technical side. The number one factor we look for, obviously, are no broken pages, right? So no 404s. We want to make sure we have 301 redirects mm-hmm. for all those pages. If anybody out there uh, d- hasn't done this yet for their e-commerce site, you know, you want to Google check give you the sure. data out of Search Console, out of uh, yep. what, what we you know have historically referred to as webmaster tools. They'll tell you what pages people are trying to go to that are leading to a, a 400 error. Uh, you know, same yep. way that if you've got server errors, if you've got 500 errors, there's no reason that you shouldn't be fixing that stuff pronto. Yeah. <laughs> you we know, like that, to that your host shouldn't be helping. Yeah. 100%. We, we like to use a tool called Screaming Frog to, to uh, actually crawl do the site. Yeah. Yep. Crawl the website. But on the flip side, in, in terms of, of page speed, right, I, I would say it's, it's, a, it's definitely in an e commerce person's mind, the, the top one of the top factors. And that's obviously where a hosting company comes in, right? And somebody like you, Robert, at JetRails, um, I think becomes very essential to them. Um, you know, if they're using any of the random brands out there, um, you know, some GoDaddy, et cetera, most of the time, um, you know, GoDaddy speeds aren't as amazing as they advertise to be. Um, you know, it, de- it depends. You know, we, I, don't, I don't think they're getting as popular nowadays. We like to take people actually off of them when we're helping them with the site. So I'll be kind to my friends at GoDaddy, but, you know, at JetRails, we optimize the hosting around your website. We tweak to really get that speed where it needs to be. It's holistic. You've got your content delivery network and uh, you've got different caching technologies and other optimizations in play that, uh, you know, aside from the fast hardware and the up-to-date software that's running as fast as it can and all these things coming together, it's it's configuration and tweaking and getting it just right because we know it makes a difference in the bottom line of, of an established business, you know, whether they're, you know, mid market or enterprise or whatever it may be that uh, it absolutely is, is worth the, uh, the time to get it right. Um, I'm going to pull you back though, towards some of that backlinking. Cause the more I think about it, you know, there used to be more places to go build backlinks. We launched, mm-hmm. um, uh, 
a blog post a few months back about maybe some of the best places that e-commerce sites could uh, could leverage to build healthy backlinks in 2020. Um, Fantastic. And, you know, we polled some audience for that, got, got some some folks to throw down ideas. If we don't have you in there, I'm sure as soon as we wrap this up, you're going to give me a great quote. Um, but for sure. uh, what, where is it that people can, can go? Because like I say, so, so many places are now providing no follow links. It's not necessarily counting the same way that it did before. Uh, you know, you, some of those older link schemes that people engaged in of, uh, you know, of, of building, you know, content just for the sake of, of links that really had no value on its own um, mm-hmm. isn't going to work the way that it might have in, in the past. Uh, so, you know, if you're an e-commerce site and you're trying to really build up that domain authority, that, uh, that you know, domain ranking, uh, what is it that you do? Um, you know, is, are, is it press releases? Is it, uh, you know, you tell me, is it articles on, on particular sites that you can launch on, like news sites, uh, you know, help a reporter out, <laughs> Harrow? Uh, what is it that you think really moves the needle these days? Yeah, Harrow's a good classic answer, by the way. Um, you know, I've heard so many times now. I feel like everybody should know of Help a Reporter out. Um, in terms of link building, right, the uh, two things, right, for the listener out there, um, in terms of, of, you know, knowledge, right, I, I look at it as a voting system. That's the uh, metaphor I always give, right? And so basically, you want other websites to link to you, right? If you're on Facebook, um, you know, you click on a Facebook, when you go to YouTube now, YouTube got a, a vote from Facebook. They're saying, hey, check this website out, right? And you want people to go from their site to your site, ideally. Um, so first of all, I would say sales is the right mindset. That's why people don't like link building, right? Because you're convincing someone to do something, to, to link to you, to say, hey, check this person out, to advertise you, right? And, um, you know, the best people can do it without actually bribing other people or spending money. Um, of course, sometimes people do. I would say it's getting a lot more uncommon um, where people will pay other websites for guest blog post links. Um, you know, I can be a little risky. So anyways, long story short sales, right? So the way I approach link building is I would say definitely not traditional, a little bit different. I tell uh, my clients, Hey, take a look at your field, right? Let's pretend we have, you know, I've got a, uh, whatever, a palm tree company, a palm tree in my background here. Um, so basically let's pretend you're, you're selling trees, right? Um, now what you should do is you should look for other companies in your industry that would either a make you a brand expert and you know other people would check out that are related how can you collaborate to get their kudos and what would they want from you for them to actually mention you right you have to sell them to put them on to put yourself on their site so stuff like testimonials like you know this is everything you can give to them that's how you got to think about it right what kind of value can i give to somebody else so the way you can give other websites value is you can give them testimonials right obviously you can give them content in the terms of guest blog posts, um, you know, you can leave valuable comments with, you know, obviously there's a backlink there as well. Um, you know, you can actually create a profile on their site, you know, so that's like social media link building, Twitter, Instagram, et cetera. Um, you know, so what we look at in, at our companies, we actually do a link analysis. So we'll see what kind of links does this company have? Does it have a social media backlink? Does it have a, um, you know, a bunch of guest blog posts? Does it have, you know, comments? Does it have infographics, et cetera? And, and we'll try to fill in the gaps. And the best strategy is it takes a, a ton of time, Robert, really. And, and that's why we actually use tools for this. But we look to see what kind of links 
uh, that people actually have on the first page, right? Do they have 10 guest blog posts, 20 uh, comments, 30, uh, you know, uh, infographics, um, et cetera. And then we'll go in and we'll make those social media profiles, et cetera. So that's how we build out the reputation. And, and then we'll also ask um, the best companies, how many partners do you have, right? Do you have a hundred companies that are willing to give you a testimonial, et cetera, right? You should go ask them if you can give them a testimonial and get a link back. So there's, there's, diff- there's a lot of different strategies, but the mindset is sales, right? Like I'm trying to convince somebody and give them to take value, to give them value for in exchange for a backlink. Sometimes it's money, but it's, it's, it's probably not the best way in money. And then, um, you know, in, with that philosophy, mm-hmm. I, I, w- I would look at it really like you're um, looking at it as good PR, right? So you've got the sales mindset, you're trying to fix them, you're trying to convince somebody to give you a link in exchange for this PR. And uh, even if it's a no follow link, by the way, like on YouTube, those still actually count. Uh, you know, no follow links actually still count. Obviously, follow links are a lot better, right? Do follow. But um, I would say if you can't get any, still get a no follow, Google still counts it. Um, you know, and the little dirty secret is that Google actually prefers YouTube and their own platforms in their own algorithms. I think that's that's something that Rand actually published recently. And, and I agree with him um, from what uh, we Mr. Found Fishkin. Mr. Yeah. Fishkin, yeah. Yeah, his brother's a partner. Uh, so Evan Fishkin is a partner at our agency. And because of that, we've been able to get a lot of great experience um, working with larger companies, um, you know, because he's worked with every everyone from, you know, Whirlpool to, you know, Panasonic, et cetera, like large level clients, you know. So, yeah. Yeah. And does that mean that you wind up using a lot of Moz tools? You know, do you still no, look well, at domain authority or I know that Rand's have, not there anymore? Because of Evan, that's funny. Because of Evan, we've um, who's been Evan in, in his own right has been doing SEO for sixteen plus years. Um, the guy loves. I've never met somebody that like loves SEO, right? Like he he he's the encyclopedia of SEO, you know. And so if you ever want to have him on an episode, um, he'll he'll super geek out. But uh, basically, because you know of him and, and my cousin also who's very technical, we've actually can use every tool, right? Semrush, Ahrefs, Moz. Um, we have our own proprietary tools that we've built in house as well that I can I can show you even, um, but yeah, cool. All right, so sounds like other than proprietary tools, I haven't missed too much. Uh, yeah, you know a lot of the stuff that's that's been strong in the last few years has been continuing forward. That's, that's always what good. I said. In, yeah. So in terms of like you know if you're gonna go, it sounds like you've been doing white hat SEO, right? O- always. I mean, as all those. I mean, luckily, uh, you know, it wasn't just me. I mean, I was part of a team right but uh as we changed uh things up you know ongoing we never had a big drop off around a google algorithm update we never found that you know that our clients suffered because we did something uh that was black hat we weren't keyword stuffing we we weren't you know masking things we weren't building you know buying completely uh you know uh, junk backlinks that were going to backfire um Sometimes things stop being valued the way that they were at an earlier time. I mean, you know, people like, and I'm sure Evan would commiserate with me, there's a time when if you started to put in the right keywords in the meta information and do some other basic things, build a few links, and all of a sudden, a couple of weeks later, you had a, a, a site ranking and on page one, there were a lot few websites back then, the algorithms yeah. were a lot easier. Um, yeah. You know, so I can't say that things didn't evolve and the strategy didn't need to evolve. 
but we weren't dealing with penalties. And that's that's a core difference, that it's a lot easier to come back from, okay, well, you know, some of these links uh, aren't valued the way that they were. Some of the, the content, you know, was short, and now we need to elongate it in order for Google to feel like it's uh, it's more valuable or whatever it may be. But, uh, you know, but, but it held true. Uh, and, you know, let's come back to so a lot of our users are in e-commerce. I mean, we support people mm-hmm. with WordPress and Drupal and, and other CMSs, but uh, we work with a lot of users that are specifically in e-commerce. What challenges do those users face? Because I guess in that sense, you know, backlinks probably aren't going to be that different for them than, than for anyone else. It's, uh, it's a mathematical thing. Um, but what about dealing with content and, and on-site uh, factors? Do you find that if you're pitching SEO to an e-commerce website, you know, what goes through your mind? What's really radically different, yeah. if anything? And, and we actually started and sold a, a nice store, by the way. You know, Habanco, H-O-B-A-N-C-O. It's still online. You guys can wow. check out. So but, uh, if you mail me a knife, it's not something I should be worried about. You're not trying no, to send me a, a sign about what you thought about the podcast when it launched. It's an endearing sign. It's, cool. a, it's It means I care about you, you know. <laughs> but, but uh, and that was, yeah, knives are actually like, so I was like, oh, knives, like, I'm, you know, it's like a manly thing. Like, it's going to be so exciting. But then I took a look at, uh, you know, like the laws, you can't advertise knives with pay-per-click. And I'm like, man, I'm, I'm like playing with one arm behind my back here. I, uh, SEO was still good though um, for us and we still got sales. But anyways, um, basically to, to wrap that, yeah, we can wrap up link building for on the link building side. It's very similar to anything else. I mean, our, our process in general, there's really by field, it doesn't really vary too much. It just really depends on, you know, how much links are your competitors building, right? In e-com, it's a lot more competitive because that's all they can't sell, right? They can't go, they can't do any cold calls or anything, right? So um, everyone's invested in all these processes a lot more, you know, so you have to do a lot more link building. And in terms of how has Google changed in the last three years, right? Three years, obviously, is a lot harder to notice than 10, etc. But I would say for three, um, they're probably a lot more attuned to link velocity now than they used to be. So basically, when it comes to seeing how fast are you building links and how fast are you uh, basically, you know, not uh, or building them and then reducing that speed to make it smooth. Um, you can't really game it like you used to, like you used to say, okay, I'm going to build, you know, 300 links this month and I'm going to stop. And then basically we're going to rank for the first page and we're all set. And like, now we can move on to the next keyword. Nowadays, everybody's gunning for that keyword. If it's a good keyword, Right. So or if you're stagnant, you, yeah. you're not going to hold your rankings. Oh, look at that. Yep. yep. Exactly. Right. It's, and, and, you know, same thing with the content, obviously you've got to keep it fresh, but for on the link side, you've got to keep consistently building or eventually they will, um, you know, catch up in a couple months, et cetera. Um, so that, that becomes much tougher. And, or if you're stagnant, like if you do 500 links and then you stop, right. Mm-hmm. Um, I like, I had a client recently with a 10 K a month plus link building project we were doing for them. And basically we're building on these links. He's like, by the way, because of COVID, like I was doing amazing. Now I'm not doing so hot, et cetera. And I was like, okay, well, we got to slow this link building process down smoothly. If Google sees that we're doing, you, you can't build links on purpose, which is crazy to me, right? Like you've got to do it. Accident- Everything in Google's world is like accidental, right? But um, yeah, that's the, the hypocrisy there. But yeah, so that's, that's the link building. I think that's probably the biggest major change. And then obviously mobile things are going more and more and more mobile. Um, and then on the flip side, right, let's go to content, right? You want the content to be fresh, right? Um, 
the you know query deserves freshness qdf um basically google will give you extra credit for that and then at the same time um basically if you, depending on whatever keywords you want to go for in terms of length you should take a look at you know what the people in the top 10 uh, uh, that's that's our simple rule look at what people in the top 10 page results are doing in terms of content length right that's mm -hmm. how you calculate that um you know as you talk about meta descriptions and meta titles h1 you want to have your keyword um, you know, in the H1 and the same one in the meta title, meta description, et cetera. So those are the main, uh, uh, you know, components there. And as long as it's knowledgeable, um, you know, good engaging content, you want to convert to that's, that's the art and the science. Well, yeah, but you know, it's, so you've got a two-step process, you know, you can get Google to rank the page, but you know, now you have all this endless dribble of content or something, you know, is anybody ever going to fill out a form or buy something in the, in, the e-commerce world to different things. So now SEO, there was a time when you could maybe have a, a particular length of campaign, a six month campaign, something, cause you're not going to get anywhere in a month with it. That's not a thing. I mean, you could, no way. you know, you, you could Unless clean like up some project. technical yeah. th issues or whatever. Yeah. But you're, you're not going to really uh, have demonstrable results uh, in, in that kind of a short period. But what I'm getting from you is that, and, and this, I don't think it's terrible news to people that have engaged in SEO before, but you've got to stay in some kind of a maintenance mode. There is, 100%. there is no stopping if you want to retain what you've earned. <laughs> no, for sure. Like the secret, it's not a secret anymore, right? That if you get on the first page, you've got to keep your position, um, you know, by continuously at least doing like a maintenance or something. Cause eventually, for instance, we had a wedding planner, right? This is like back when we were dealing with smaller clients, right? She kept her position for two years, right? And was the one-time, one-year project, right? And then two mm -hmm. years after that, she remained. And I love to show people that. And now she's on page two, right? Because people are wisened up today, right? And it's no longer as SEO kind of like, you know, like they used to look at it like it's TikTok marketing. You know, mm -hmm. it's like, what does that even mean? You know, um, but basically today, I think everybody's more competitive in this space and it's only getting more competitive. So that's probably the main thing, Robert, I would say, you know, if, if you, anybody out there is looking to engage, they got to make sure that everything they do is more consistent and they show Google, Hey, you know, we're not, we're here for the long haul. Sure. Um, if it's e-com, I'm, I'm going to come back to, to that yeah, a little let's bit. Focus there. Is because you've got, you know, usually, obviously, there are some e-commerce sites that have a handful of products. It's a very small mm -hmm. site. But if you've got a site that's got any real um, quantity of categories and products, does that automatically make it a more expensive, bigger job? Because now, in, in terms of working backlinks to those individual mm -hmm. products and categories, in terms of working with the metadata and uh, the other tags and, you know, and, and content of those pages, that there's... Yep. It's a multiplier effect. Instead of having exactly. a 20 or 50 page website, now you have, you know, a 500,000, 10,000 page website. Yeah. The, depending on how many products and keywords you want to rank for, obviously that's more work. And that means there's going to be more you need to rank for. Um, and in e-com now, you can't just go in for major terms anymore, right? Let's say you, you just can't rank for lighters anymore, right? You have to go after like specific lighter brands, right? Let's say big lighters, et cetera. And then work your way up. And we've had, you know, clients in different categories. We've, we've had, um, you know, online stores, online e-com clients that where we start with like a niche term, right? Like for example, if you're selling, um, you know, whatever t-shirts, right. 
you, you could say, you know, are Gucci t-shirts, um, you know, fashionable, right? Like maybe that's like a long-term term you're going for, like a niche term, right? So you have to really, you have to always niche down nowadays, right? And you, the, the search volume in those niches has decreased because what used to be considered a, a niche, such as, you know, let's say Gucci t-shirt, like now it's Gucci t-shirt fashionable. So it's like even lower volume. And then you have to uh, basically pick pick up your, your pace there and, you know, in the beginning, you go after these long tail keywords. And then as you go on now, you can finally start going into the broader, more broad keywords and, and really niche down a lot more, which I think is probably better for the internet overall, right? As more websites populate it. I but, would imagine. Um, and about yeah. how many keywords is like a maximum to really go after in phase one of, of an SEO campaign? So they've got 100,000 products. You're not going to work yeah. on equal. I mean, yes, you know, you'll improve the domain uh, standing all, you know, as a whole, um, and, and you'll, uh, clean up, you know, uh, help to advise on technical issues and other things that may like speed that may be holding them back. But, you know, you're not going to go in and in the first few months and optimize a hundred thousand different products, uh, most likely. We, it depends, right? It completely depends if we're dealing with a, like if, if one of our clients is a really big client, they have like, you know, whatever, a million backlinks that they've built or you know, one of these, you know, Amazon type companies, right, which we've had experience working with, right? Basically, they don't need to do any more link building, right? So if you think about it as link building content and technical work, they probably need a lot more technical work because they've got to manage all these pages, right? Mm-hmm. You got to make sure they're on jet rails. There's your plug again, Robert. Um, <laughs> you know, they, they have a good hosting provider. We've got to make sure they have no broken pages, um, et cetera, on the technical side, these bigger sites. And then also that they have fresh content that's appropriate length, right? And the way we find the length out I would say the best answer for everybody is go and, you know, do a keyword counter or a word counter tool, you know, control A, control C, and then paste how, however long the top 10 results are, um, you know, on, on the keyword counter and see what the average is, right? Is there average person for whatever term, right? Let's say it's, you know, e-commerce hosting provider, right? Is the average length a thousand words that they're writing about, then you've got to do maybe a thousand one hundred. I think we wrote, we, in fact, we used to rank for how long should a blog post be? And our article, um, you know, we, we, that was on the first page for Logic Inbound itself. And our article talks about how every year the internet gets longer by a hundred words. Every year, right? So 10 years from now, it's going to be, you know, like a thousand words longer every single article for whatever term. People are just consuming more online information, you know? Forget books. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. No, it, it is pretty astounding when you really come down to it about how much information people can ingest in a day now uh, just off of their mobile phone that they're walking around with and, and glued to. Uh, and, you know, talking about the times uh, that we're in now, has 2020 seen any major changes in the SEO industry? I imagine that there are companies that were gung-ho for their digital marketing that now they're cash-strapped and they might not be. There are others that are doubling down, figuring that they'll come out ahead if they just rank, you know, get the rankings now, then maybe they'll have fewer competitors in the future. They'll really, uh, you know, own more of their their niche. What are you seeing? That's a, that's a, a great great way to you know start ending the show i guess um i don't know what the time is but basically that that's a that's a good point for 2020 right um i think for 2020 
overall for the internet, it's better from a consumer point of view. From a competitor point of view, from a business side, you wish people don't do SEO, right? You wish they don't do online marketing. You want them to stay away as long as possible, stick to your billboard ads, people, et cetera, right? So e-commerce has blown up in 2020, which is great for the average e-com site. However, I'm seeing a lot more now wanting to start an e-commerce thing because they've caught on finally, right? Um, You know, work from home, right? More people working from home. It's becoming a standard, right? I even believe in, you know, two or three years when we're hopefully through all of this craziness, right? You meet somebody and they're like, oh, I work from home. You're like, oh, I know what you do. You know, I used to do that, et cetera, right? So people are a lot more tech savvy now. Um, and so it's it's helping online businesses. Um, you know, competitors are increasing now though. So that's kind of where the industry is going. And, um, you know, everybody's becoming more tech savvy. So that's a, that's a benefit. Yeah. And speaking of benefits, you know, obviously the, the main benefit of an SEO campaign is that you're, uh, you're going to rank in Google for and other search engines, whatever's, you know, making up that other 5% these days, Bing or what have you, uh, mm-hmm. DuckDuckGo. Uh, you're going to get people searching, finding you for the keywords that you want to rank for and hopefully converting into some kind of a leader sale. Beyond that, um, what are you know, what else are people getting in the process? Because I imagine your team is building content, publishing things elsewhere, building up, you know, brand awareness uh, mm-hmm. that, 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 you know, in some cases, even, you know, things like if you're dealing with alt tags on images, they're uh, doing a better job of uh, helping visitors to their website that are, uh, you know, that are, have certain disabilities um, that, that can't necessarily see that image the way that you and I do. Um, mm-hmm. Do you find that the, there people see a lot of value in some of that fringe benefit, some of that that secondary uh, benefit that they derive from the the SEO work that's being done? Um, and is is that really you know part of the the core sale, or is that just something that you know people don't really think much about? They they just uh, <laughs> you know like so many things in life, they take for granted. Yeah, I would say that. Um a lot of the factors that we talked about today, even right, people will take for granted. They'll underestimate, hey, my website maybe has a second and a half of extra loading speed, or, you know, hey, all my title tags, all my, like whoever's listening to this that runs an e com store out there, right? Well, might be, for most people, not all of them, right? Might be like, oh, you know, all my meta descriptions and meta titles, we never really put a lot of thought into them. We just knew, hey, my keyword should be there. But maybe, you know, going to the next level, my keywords, my, my meta titles, my meta descriptions aren't optimized for my audience to buy, right? Um, or they're not as, as at least as good as the competitors, right? So all these little factors, right, they'll add up. And I think that's kind of one of the benefits of doing your homework and understanding SEO a lot, whether you're working with an agency such as ours, which collectively, you know, we've got over 50 years of experience, um, you know, with, you know, some of the rock stars in the industry, or, you know, if you're just work going with a contractor or learning it yourself, I would say these, what I've learned over time in SEO is once you think, you know, the game and, you know, let's say, Hey, here, uh, you know, we look at three main factors, but obviously there's like, you can multiply each by 10, right? Like there's the, you could say there's 10 things for content you need to learn, right? Not just H1, H2 is meta title, meta description, there's content length, et cetera. There's, we haven't even gone into, um, structured data yet. Right. Like, which is more important today, um, you know, schema markup, um, yeah, rich snippets, now, absolutely. Yep, rich snippets. Yep. Because Google is populating everything in what we call the knowledge card right now more often. 
So you can't really do a website. So it's like, what's the weather today? Right. Um, because Google will just answer for you. But anyways, um, all these little things, right. They'll add up, right. I just gave you all these different examples for just content. Then there's technical, then there's link building. And that's kind of what, what people, um, miss with SEO when they're failing in a campaign. A lot of times people will come back to me and say, Hey Vlad, I've got the technical, I've got the content, I've got the link building. Why am I not ranking? And I'll, you know, like I've got, I've done it all perfect. And I'm like, you have it, right? Mm-hmm. Like, let's take a look. I open up right the hood. I go under the car and I'm like, Oh, look at that. You're you, you, all these pages are broken. Right. Or your site speed's too slow. Right. Or you think your site speed's great, but on mobile, it's a completely different game. And like, you completely mess, missed the mark here. Right. I mean, Google's well, almost like that HR person that you're, you know, you're showing your resume and you're trying to get hired and okay, well, you know, yeah, your, uh, your education looks pretty good and you're, yep. yeah, but you know, your, your work history, what's with this gap over here? Like, you know, this, yep. this doesn't look, you know, and all of a yep. sudden you've got this stuff and what's this font? I mean, dude, yeah. like <laughs> what's going on here? Um, yeah. <laughs> and I think that people miss out on the fact that you're looked at a little bit holistically, um, that, uh, you know, like so many things in, uh, in the internet, you know, that, uh, <laughs> the weakest link is what it's all, all going to come down to and, yeah, uh, in so many situations. But, you know, you add, I, I suppose, on top of that, that when you go through this, this overall SEO process that, yeah, you know, if you're working on speeding up your site and getting rid of errors and other things, your conversion rates are going up, um, mm-hmm. that there are other things happening that aren't necessarily the thing that you're judging the success of the campaign on because you're looking at traffic and and overall you know sales or, or you know something that's putting roi money back in your pocket return on mm-hmm. your investment uh but sometimes you miss out that hey that you know those things that got fixed that improved the overall site experience improved the results of all of your other marketing campaigns yeah no for sure right at the end of the day you know as far as i made fun of the, the michelin man and michelin reviewers for your for your restaurant or, or i like i like your example better you know the the company that's trying, Google's trying to hire you for the first page and they're looking through your online resume, you know? Um, that, that's, I think- that's copyrighted, trademarked. I'm sorry, you can't use it, Vlad. It's, that's mine. <laughs> I've used it for, I, I can't tell you how many that's- years because it, it, it'll age me, but. <laughs> that's funny. My, my favorite one is, uh, uh, you know, working with Google is like growing a tree. You can't rush it, right? But you've got to make sure you give it all, your website, all the love, right? And then it will bloom eventually over time. But uh, basically, at the end of the day, right, all the things that Google wants you to do is it actually um, is going to improve, right? At the end of the day, they've improved your website and help you get more sales, right? At the end of the day, the consumers, even Google doesn't win. The consumers win at the end of the day, right? Because we determine the market, right? Which is, is you know, take a look at Uber and what they did to mm-hmm. the cab industry, right? Um the consumers, they win, right? So that's what you should really focus on. And eventually, either Google will catch up or, you know, yeah, you'll, you'll increase doesn't really care about your website. They don't, no. you know, they just care about if they don't bring people to results that they're happy with in their organic SEO uh, results that, uh, it, 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 you know, if, why would we use them anymore? I mean, and once in a while, I, I still remember the Bing it on challenge where Microsoft was saying, hey, look at these two screens and which results look better to you. And there were some cases where Bing was doing some better stuff and that tech changes fast. You know, 
Google absolutely owns the market today, but they know that if they don't play their cards right, something will come out there and, and they'll be overshadowed. That's why they've got uh, all of this, uh, you know, uh, audio technology where you can ask, you know, Google Assistant questions and you can do things in there trying to get through that audio processing and, um, you know, image search, you know, take a picture of something and, and let it, uh, f- you know, tell you all about what you're looking at. Um, and all these things that, you know, they're trying to predict the future, how we're, we're all going to search then um, and what our expectations are going to be because they don't want to get left in the dust. Uh, tech moves way, way too fast for that. Um, Vlad, you've been really, uh, really generous with your time today while we're still friends. Um, I'm going <laughs> to suggest that we work on wrapping up. Do you have any final thoughts to share before we do? Yeah, uh, I appreciate that question. Um and always, you know, happy to help Robert. Um, I, for final thoughts, right. I would say if anybody ever has any questions, right. On, uh, SEO, right. Feel free to check us out logicinbound.com or send me an email Vlad at logicinbound.com. And, you know, I'm happy to answer any questions, whether they're e-com related, or if you're like, man, my business is just seeing a really, I actually, so the original founder and president of Moz, Jillian, um, people don't know she was the first uh, you know, CEO, I called her when I was 21. I was like, man, I'm just having not a good day. I want to quit this entrepreneur stuff, et cetera. And she was like, well, it sounds like you haven't driven the bus off the cliff yet and you got more in the tank. Right. So it's like, whatever you guys need, whether it's some pep talk or, or really you want me to go in and say, Hey Vlad, um, I want to get more sales. Give me an analysis. Feel free to reach out guys. And then, um, on the flip side, um, you know, for those out there who are more self doers, And, um, you know, like to teach themselves, I would just encourage everybody every day, ask yourself, what can I do to make my website, to improve my website, right? To make my website, number one, what can we do today? That one tiny thing. And then over time, you'll compound, right? As as you build routines and practices around this, and you will inevitably succeed. Awesome. Well, Vlad, thank you so much for joining today. Um, I am going to make sure to share your email address all over the internet, um, And uh, I I don't know if I'll tag exactly what you do or what it's for, but for sure, I'll make sure that people (laughs) No, it's uh, really great of you to to offer that. Um, I can say from personal experience, including today, that uh, it's always great to chat with Vlad. I always leave feeling like I've learned something and I'm better for it. Uh, To our listeners, um, thank you as always. And uh, we look forward to joining you with uh, several more podcast episodes in the coming weeks. And happy selling. Thanks for listening to the JetRails podcast. You can subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. We also post full videos of most episodes on the JetRails YouTube and Facebook channels. You can find links at jetrails.com forward slash podcast. Have questions about an episode? Is there a topic you'd like us to cover in the future? We're at JetRails on LinkedIn and Twitter. Do you want to sponsor this podcast? Sorry, but we're committed to ad-free listening. We are, however, always looking for guests that our listeners will benefit from. And don't forget to like the podcast on whatever platform you're tuning in from. It's a small ask, but it's a big help. We appreciate it. And more importantly, we appreciate you.